what do we value? What are the occupations that we value? You know, we know that farmers do not get paid enough. We know that teachers don't get paid enough. What are the things that are important to us as a society that are integral to how we're going to be able to function? It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. Not everything is great on the farm. We talk about things that are great on the farm, but there's also a fair amount of distress around being a farmer and issues a farmer's face. And there's a uh, a few organizations, one in particular I'm going to talk about today, that have been around and have been there for farmers. And I want to welcome Caitlin Arnold-Stefano. And Caitlin is the Farm Aid Hotline Program Manager for Farm Aid. Caitlin, welcome to Farm to Table Talk. Thank you. Happy to be here. Oh, you know what, Caitlin? I'm thinking when I get a chance to talk to you about, about Farm Aid... You have an advantage on me. I get to talk to farmers sometimes, about farmers all the time. And we've got a lot of people that farm, people that think they want to farm, people that got into farming and think, good God, what I get into. You have uh, two-way streets. And rather than people just uh, turning on your podcast or your broadcast, they come to you. And explain that. Explain what happens. Uh, let's go back and and some people remember farm aid when it was more visible to them in some of the some of the early days of farm crises. Mm-hmm. But but tell me where you are to today and and what you're what you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. So farm aid has been around since 1985, since the 1980s farm crisis. Uh, really was born out of supporting farmers through that incredibly challenging time. And we're still going 38 years later. Um, And I would say times have not gotten easier for farmers in the last 38 years. Um, It's still an incredibly challenging profession to be in in our country. Uh, So the hotline, our, our farmer hotline has been around since the beginning as well. And We've been answering the phone, answering calls from farmers um, since 1985. And so here we are now, 2023. We have an expanded hotline team. We've got six hotline operators that talk to farmers weekly. Um, We answer the phone Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. West Coast time. And we've got a Spanish hotline as well. So now um, Spanish-speaking farmers and farm workers can call us and talk to someone as well. So how do you get the word out? You know, typically in the past, we were we were a phone line, um, you know, before, before smartphones and internet and all that. It was literally pick up the phone and call us. Um, we now have an online request for assistance form that people can fill out as well. So if someone doesn't want to pick up the phone and call us, they can fill out our online form and we'll get back to them just as quickly as if they had called the hotline. So I think having those two things available is helpful. Um, 
we've really been doing a lot of outreach around our hotline in general, not just our Spanish hotline, but our English as well. Um, since we've been able to expand our team and expand our hours, uh, a lot of that came through our work with the Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network, which is funding through the 2018 Farm Bill that was given to the four regions of the country to really expand resources and networks available uh, for farm stress and farmer mental health. So FarmAid is a partner on both the Western Regional Grant, where you are, and the Northeast Regional Grant. Um, so through that funding is how we were able to add the Spanish hotline, expand our English team, expand our hours to include the West Coast hours, and um, also translate our farm and our farmer resource network, which is our online search uh, tool for farmers. That's free; anyone can use it, um, and that's our database, our national database of resources for farmers. Um, so that's in English and Spanish as well now. And yeah, getting the word out. We, you know, a lot of people know who Farm Aid is, but they think of us as, oh, they do the concert every year. Or Willie Nelson, which is all true. That's all, a, you know, that's our history and that's um, a big part of who we are. But not a lot of people know that we have this hotline and that we've had this hotline for 38 years. So really just doing a lot more outreach, um, talking to partner organizations, talking to, you know, podcasts like you um, to get the word out that we are here. We're here for farmers. We're here to support you help you find resources. And now Spanish-speaking farmers can call us as well. You know, I'm trying to figure out how to get my arms around who it is that you're serving. I mean, in general, I mean, I get it that people that are either in farming or concerned about farming and don't know where to turn and, and, and so forth. But in those 30-some years, is, is that mix changing? Is it, uh, you know, as far as either diversity uh age situation geographic i mean if you you look at the ground you're trying to cover the audience that you're trying to take care of um is there been changes yeah i would say um you know we get a lot of calls from beginning farmers now um so not just established farmers but we get folks that are in there you know first five ten years of farming that are looking for resources and dealing with stress and dealing with challenges. Um, a lot of farmers who are multi-generational and are looking to transition into their family's farm and their parents are looking to transition out. So, you know, our, our farming population is aging. They're aging out. Um, so we're getting, you know, we need more young people in farming, which we know. And those young folks are calling us as well. Um, I would say we're getting more calls also from farm employees, you know, people that don't own the business, but are working for a business, um, working for another farmer. Maybe they've been managing for a long time um, and might not be on the road to owning their own farm, but want to continue their career in farming or are needing support as well. You know, and since we were born out of the 1980s farm crisis, that was a really specific 
time in history where we were losing farms at an extreme rate. We were losing farmers to suicide at an extreme rate. It was a crisis. It was a crisis moment. Um, but like I said at the beginning, farming hasn't gotten any easier. Um, I was just at a, a rally, a climate rally for farmers in DC in March, and we had some elder farmers speaking there. And one of them just really, it hit me because he said, I've been doing this for 40 years and it's no easier now. It's harder now. Yeah. So, and that really hit me because I was, you know, I, I farmed myself for 12 years before starting to do nonprofit work. And, you know, I kind of told myself, okay, if I can get to that 10 year mark, I'm going to make it, I'm going to be good. Um, and it actually just got harder um, to, to make it work. So yeah, I think, you know, we're still in a, a crisis moment, even though it's not as um, maybe not readily as visible as a 1980s moment, but, you know, with climate change, climate disasters, drought, wildfires, you know, you know all about that out there. Um, hurricanes, tornadoes, flooding, plus inflation, um, trying to find people to work on your farm, being able to pay those people. It's just, you know, farming is the, I think it is the most challenging occupation that one can have in our country. Um, and I think that's something that's that's overlooked. It's not recognized. And so I would say, yes, maybe the population that's calling us might be shifting a little bit, but the issues are still, the issues really haven't changed. Um, might change like moment to moment, depending on what's happening in history, but it's still so challenging to be a farmer and I don't see that changing. You know, it there are several things that, I, that you say that got my attention. One is that you can be talking to farmers like you did that were maybe in their 60s was the average age of farmers now is, you know, approaching younger 60s. But when you started with Farm Aid or when Farm Aid got started, the, those farmers were in their 20s. Yep. And, and um, you know, it's frustrating in a way because they say, gee, it isn't any better. It's tougher in different ways. Yeah. And, and one of the things that... I almost worry about is that there are more people with a dream today than than I recall. I've seen I've known farmers that committed suicide and uh, were forced to sell their farms and their ranches back in the times that you're talking about. Yep. And but now I'm kind of encouraged because there's people that are cre finding a way to get a small acreage going or you know a a farm to table operation and and uh, so i'm i'm encouraged but i'm also worried too because the dreams and the dreamers seem to be um more prevalent than ever you know uh, because maybe in the rest of society they're finding that that uh, their jobs and their careers didn't offer what they were hoping for and they're yeah. willing to take a certain degree of sacrifice and realize that in a household, maybe somebody has to have an off-farm job and some other things. You got to put cobble things together, yep. but they they feel like they're willing to make that price. But Caitlin, I wonder um, if there's not a, a new level of, of questions and concerns that might be coming your way yep. because of all of these uh, dreamers that have shifted from other careers and believe that this is going to be the 
the you know where the the grass yeah. is greener. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. you know, I was one of those. Like I said, I farmed for twelve years before shifting to nonprofit work, and I thought it was going to be my life. I thought I would retire farming. Um, and I really gave it a go, you know, 12 years is not a a short amount of time, but the barriers I hit were, um, financial and land. Um, I think, you know, for those of us who are coming into this as first generation, meaning, you know, I had farming in my family history, but it had skipped a generation. So I didn't come into it with access to land or a business that was already going. Um, or any inherited wealth to put towards it. You know, there's a lot of young people in that situation where they're coming into it totally new. Um, and when you don't have something to start from, it's so difficult. Um, you know, land prices, think about land prices now versus the 80s, right? And think about climate change now versus the 80s. Um, I would say there, you know, there are things that give me hope. Like there's a lot more resources now. We have the internet now. It's a lot easier to find information. People are talking to each other over social media. You can find, you know, you can connect with someone super easily and ask questions about farming. That didn't exist then. But um there are fewer farms in rural areas. There's fewer resources in rural areas because we know our rural areas are being decimated. So that neighborly connection, that mentor connection, you know, that stuff is not the same. Um, and I think you can get some of that through social media. Um but it's not the same. It's not the same as having a farmer mentor neighbor down the road that you can call and say, can you come over and help me troubleshoot my what's going on with my tractor right now? Um, so if you're a young person, you're getting into this, which is, you know, I never want to discourage someone from getting into farming, but I do want them to be aware of the realities and the risks because they are they are large. Um, and we want we want farmers to be successful, right? Meaning they can stay in it, they can be healthy, they can feel good, you know, mentally and physically, yeah. and they're able to support themselves and their families. Um, what we don't want to see is people getting into it and then being crushed financially or crushed on a stress you know, on a stress level, um, that then after five years, they have to, they have to get out. Um, you know, that's not going to build our food system and replace the farmers that are aging out. We can't have just a bunch of, you know, five-year farms starting and stopping and starting and stopping. Like we need sustainable long-term farm businesses. So, yeah, you know, and every once in a while you hear some really good news. Uh, like there are some older farmers that aren't going to be passing their farm on to someone else and are willing to help a young person get started or the, you know, pastures available and things like that. Um, but one of the reassurances I have is just in talking to you is that you literally can say, you know, been there, done that. I mean, I, I, 
you are not just uh, saying that, oh, gee, I hear your problem and, you know, call here or call there. But you've um, you've been through it. Yeah. And so you see that perspective. Tell me about the rest of your team, people that are on the phone. How do you how, how do you make sure that they're in a position to be the most help possible for the calls that come in? Yeah. Yeah. So all of us have some tie to farming, whether it's direct um, through other jobs that they've held through their families. Um, so we really we have a wide range of experience, but everyone has a very familiar um, knowledge of farming and what it means to be a farmer in America today. And so, you know, when someone calls, we, we know, we know how to talk to farmers. Um, We know how to make them feel comfortable to, to share with us. I think that's really important because farmers historically, they don't want to talk to someone that doesn't understand farming. You know, if they're going to talk to anyone, it's going to be someone in their community who understands what it's like to be in a farm family or to be farming themselves. They're not, they don't want to talk to a stranger that knows nothing about it. Sure. Um, so that's the base. Like we really make sure that everyone on the team has, has a connection there. Um, we also do a lot of trainings. We're doing constantly doing ongoing trainings in all sorts of areas so that we can be up to date on the resources that are available, the programs that are available, um, legal issues so that we can have a greater understanding, financial issues, disaster, um, farm stress, suicide prevention, um, you know, even as specific as like when we're talking to a farmer who's a veteran when we're talking to a farmer who's disabled, when we're talking to a black farmer, when we're talking to a, you know, a migrant farm worker. So, you know, doing a lot of ongoing training to make sure that our team is really the best equipped to not only listen and support, which is what we want to do, but then find the best resources to share with that farmer who's calling. You know, I'm going to give you a chance to mention that 800 number right now, and then we're going to do it again. But okay. we keep referring to calling in and getting connected. But when they call, what did they call? What's the number they call? Yeah, so it's 1-800-FARM-AID, which is 1-800-327-6243. And you can also go online to farmaid.org slash resources, and there you will find our online request assistance form mm-hmm. so that's in english and spanish as well hotline is english and spanish and then our farmer resource network which is our online search tool of our database also english and spanish and that's all at farmaid.org slash resources so if i needed help and i called that number mm-hmm. do i get a human or do i get a recording um uh, what what do i hear First, you'll hear a message that says that you're calling the hotline. Um, It'll give you an option for English or Spanish. And then once you say which language you want, then you get an actual person. One of our all. We only have six people. So we're we're a very small, small team. Um, So you'll get one of us. Um, If it's after our hours you'll be able to leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. 
Um, we try to respond within 24 to 48 hours, either if it's a phone call with a message that we didn't answer, or if it's the online request form that comes through. So we're getting back to everyone 24 to 48 hours. You know, you're reminding me back when I was in college, I, I uh, worked on a program called PATH, Personal Assistance Telephone Help, and we were suicide prevention at, on, our, on our campus. And my job was doing the marketing for it. So mm -hmm. I'm swinging back, getting a little more of trying to get the word out. So we get the yeah. word out on, on this. What about the range of things? I mean, if you have somebody, when I think of farmer stress, Sometimes it's just that I can't find any place to market my my livestock. I can't find anyone to slaughter my my goats. Okay. Uh, but then it goes the whole range all the way to you could tell somebody's having very dark thoughts and you you're wondering whether suicide is is something and it's got a different kind of emergency. So how you feel these to be able to say uh, okay, if it's about marketing, perhaps it's like contact your local county extension agent or there's USDA's got a new program involved. But if it's something more serious than that, that somebody that just doesn't even know how to cope and they're really, really stressed out and you worry about them. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. So we try to look at our calls very holistically, right? So if someone calls us, they might not even say, I'm in a crisis moment. They might not name that, but they might tell us, my husband was injured last year on the farm. He hasn't been able to work. We haven't been able to find anyone to replace him. We're behind on our bills. Feed is super expensive now because of inflation. We had a flood. So it might be like they're calling us after this year of hardship, right? So they might not even say, I'm in crisis, but we we know that they are because they're telling us this history. This is what's happened. Now I'm here. Um, so, you know, if someone is in that sort of situation, we're going to ask them about, do you have anyone to talk to? Do you want someone to talk to? You know, are you willing to talk to a mental health professional? Can I help you find that? if you are willing. If not, is there someone else in your community that you've been able to connect with or can we help you with that? So we'll try to do that sort of connecting even if the person is not saying to us, I really need to talk to someone on an ongoing basis. We might suggest it if we hear, wow, that's a lot, you know, that's a year of really hard stuff that's stacking up against you. Um if someone really is having suicidal thoughts or we think that they might, you know, we have basic suicide prevention. Um, so we'll ask those questions. Um, and depending on those answers, you know, we're going to try to connect them with, again, like if they're willing to see a mental health professional. If not, is there a person related to their church if they go to church? If not, is there a neighbor? If not, is there a friend? Like, can we try to help sort of move that process forward? Um, a really cool thing that started through the Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network funding are these mental health voucher programs. So it's very state-based. It's not everywhere. But a number of states now have these free vouchers for farmers. So basically, 
you can get six or 12 sessions with a therapist for free. Um, so we've been able to do a lot of connecting in that way, you know, taking the cost barrier down. A lot of that can be telehealth if they if they have access to that. Um, so that is heartening. I feel like it's it's shifting a little, although, you know, farmers again, they they're hesitant to talk to someone who doesn't understand farming. So if the mental health professional doesn't know anything about farming, it's probably not going to be helpful to them. So my my big dream is to be able to have a network of mental health professionals that have training in talking about farming, farming knowledge, so that I know when I connect a farmer to them, that person's going to understand. They're not going to say, oh, it sounds like you need a vacation. Oh, this sounds super stressful. Why don't you just do a different job? You know, because that's not really, that's not helpful. Yeah. Well, anymore, you can do like we're doing this morning and connect on Zoom. And, yep. you know, the, when this whole whole thing started, there was probably a lot more attention to thinking that if you're having an issue and you're in such and such county, you know, here's here's somebody that's available to you in your county. Yep. But I would guess that you can also connect them with somebody that's having an issue in Ohio that might be talking to somebody in Idaho uh, and that perhaps doesn't make much difference. Is that is that fair to say that? I think it depends on the state. I do know with uh, therapists, there can be laws around if they can practice across state lines because of their licenses. But yes, I think that's growing. Um, we, I think with the state voucher programs, we do connect someone in their state. Um, but yeah, I think as telehealth therapy grows, which it has obviously since COVID, um, we're going to have more opportunities to be able to connect someone, even if there's not someone in their, in their state. But again, those voucher programs don't exist in every state. So, you know, that needs to be nationwide. Um, so that every state I have a voucher program, I can, I can refer a farmer to if, if they're looking for that because the cost, you know, the cost is a barrier. That's a, that's the thing. Most farmers don't have health insurance and a lot of health insurance doesn't cover mental health. So. Yeah. Well, Caitlin, I'm finding myself wondering about if we had this conversation in 30 more years, like it was 30 years when I got started. How do you hope that it's better? What, what's yeah. the, what's the, the bright spot if we were looking at i mean or are we always just going to have issues and we need to have help or do you do you see something that gives you some more optimism about than even not 30 years let's just say the next five or six years yeah yeah i think as a country we really need to look at what do we value? What are the occupations that we value? You know, we know that farmers do not get paid enough. We know that teachers don't get paid enough. You know, what are the what are the things that are important to us as a society that are integral to how we're going to be able to function? And I think, you know, I'm starting to see a shift around farming. Um 
obviously people, a lot more people know about local food. A lot more people know about CSAs. Um, so I do think there is more visibility in that way. But shifting as a country, how we think about food and how we value it, and also how we think about land and how we value it. And I think that those are two key things to be able to make farming a career in which a young person could graduate college and say, I want to start a farm business and be pretty, you know, well positioned to do so. Um, I think there that we're, we're starting to have that conversation and that shift, but you know, land, land prices are just astronomical. Um, you know, what young person can take out a $500,000 loan to run a farm? You're just not going to make enough money to be able to pay that loan back. Um, so, you know, land trusts are working on this. There's some really amazing work with local land trusts that are working on easements to make farmland more affordable to the actual farmer, but it's few and far between and it's not enough. It's not widespread. I do think, you know, I'm, I am hopeful about policy and the USDA. Um, you know, I feel like some barriers are coming down around funding there and loan programs through the FSA. Um, again, it has a long way to go. Uh, I think there needs to be more grant, government grant funding for direct costs. So things like infrastructure, equipment, feed, animals, um, you know, we farmers need to be able to find grants for that stuff because the the lending is still a barrier for a lot of farmers, especially if we're talking about black farmers that have been historically really shut out of USDA and FSA programs. There's been a lot of discrimination there. Um, we're starting to see some reparations happening around that, but again, it's slow and it's, it's long overdue. Um, and then if we're thinking about, you know, like you said, a lot of farmers are in their 60s now. Um, what if they don't have the next generation to pass the farm to? How can we facilitate young farmers coming in that don't have land to start on with the older farmers who are aging out and facilitate those relationships so that we can keep that land in farming and not in development? Well, these are all important questions, and and I think there's one reason to have some optimism, too, and that is an organization like yours is still there. When I look back at the crises back in the 80s, uh, yep. a lot of movies, a lot of books, a lot of talking about the farm crisis, they all left. They weren't making enough money from selling movie tickets. They came, reached a stage where apparently they thought the public was saying, okay, enough about that. We yep. don't need to pay any more attention to it. But you're still there, and you're still there uh, offering uh, some help and extending a hand through the phone lines, if you will. And, and and I want to do one one more time. I'd like you to tell people they have questions, concerns. How do they reach out to you? Yeah, so it's 1-800-FARM-AID, 1-800-327-6243. 
or you can go online to farmaid.org slash resources. And Caitlin, I want to make you an offer too. If, if you want to come back and talk again, let me know. Uh, we're to. going to have a hotline here for Farm Aid, <laughs> Farm to Table Talk. And, and I really appreciate what you're doing, Caitlin Arnold Stefano. Thanks for being on Farm to Table Talk. Yeah, thank you so much. You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. 